0: Amen. As the children are dismissing for Children's Church, ask you to take your Bibles this morning and turn to 1 Samuel chapter 17. 1 Samuel chapter 17. We're going to begin with one verse, and that's verse 29. However, we're going to look at more passages in this story uh, that we've all known probably since childhood, uh, and that is the story of David and Goliath. Now, we've all heard this story about how this great a uh, giant warrior stood on a hillside with the army of Israel on the other hillside. And he mocked both the uh, God of Israel and the people of Israel. And while no one liked the verbal abuse that this giant was uh, giving, you know, none of them was willing to stand up to this savage bully. You know, uh, you know even though they didn't like what he was saying. I want to suggest to you this morning that we have a savage bully You know, and it's not merely verbally abusing God and the people of God, but this verbal uh, bully that we have in our nation today, you know, is doing all it can to destroy anything and everything that has to do with our God, anything and everything that has to do with our Christian rights. Now, those uh, some complained in the 60s, you know, when this bully took our prayer out of our schools, a few were willing to stand up and fight against this bully. In the 70s, people complained, you know, because this bully had legalized the killing of babies from the mother's womb, yet still few were willing to stand up and, and fight this bully and stand before this bully. You know, in 2020, this bully took away our freedom to worship together, and they used the thing about COVID as an excuse to take away our rights, To worship as we please and gather together as God's people. But again, very few were willing to stand up and fight against this bully when they took away our right to worship together. And and, and, and as we look at that, those who were willing to stand up were labeled as insensitive people. People who could care less about others. You know, and that's what the bully that we're facing today, folks. This bully we're facing today is no different than the, the Goliath, that the nation of Israel was uh, uh, facing that day. And I want to suggest to you, it's time that God's people stand up to the bully that we're facing in our nation today. But on this day, standing on that hillside, listening to the taunts of this giant, though no one liked the taunting, no one was willing to stand up and fight That is until a little shepherd boy, a young little shepherd boy named David answered the call. And as he got there and he seen what was going on, the only thing he could say is, Is there not a cause? Is there not a cause? David against Goliath. Think about this. You know, there there was, this was such a huge mismatch. You know, a young shepherd boy going up against this seasoned fighter. Everyone knew that David was going to die. Everyone knew that there was no way that David could uh, face this giant and come out alive. His death was imminent. It was going to happen. Yet what is left out of this story many times is, you know, that 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 what gave, gave David the strength and the courage to stand up against these insurmountable odds, what drove him to march forward when everyone else was cowarding down, it was the realization, folks, that there was a cause greater than Israel. David understood there was a cause greater than this giant he was facing, it, God. David understood there was a cause even greater than his own life. David's concern was for the glory of God. David knew the cause was for the glory of God. And a question we must ask ourselves is, are we willing to stand like young David in the face of these terrifying assaults and these unbearable pressures, you know, the uh, perhaps... You know, that, that no one wants to stand up against. Are we willing to be Davids in our nation today, in our world today? You know, what we have, folks, is fighting against us. We're living in a day and time that there's a calculated effort to create a godless American society and, a, and an effort to remove all truth from our way of life. So there is no longer truth of God's Word in our life. It would be great if we had more Davids, you know, in the classrooms. It would be great if we had more Davids in our offices that we work in. It would be great if we had more Davids within our homes and more Davids within our government. And, and what's even uh, would be better than that, if we had more Davids within our churches who were willing to stand up. You know, in every generation, there's a lack of men and women who are committed above all else to the glory of God. Folks, we have a generation of people now, maybe two generations probably, that, that have no earthly idea, you know, about the ch- uh, Christian church that you and I grew up in. We got a generation of people that don't know nothing about the Christian nation that we were raised in. Now what can we learn about this story from David and Goliath that maybe we can apply to our lives and maybe allow the Spirit of God to speak to us this morning? David certainly believed that there was a cause worth fighting for and he chose to stand for that cause. Now let's consider the events that David went through. First of all, the events of that day. There are a couple of significant details about that day I think we need to consider. Let's go back up to verse 1, and we're going to look at verse 1 and verse 16. Now, here's what the Bible says. Kind of give us an idea of the presence of the enemy that was before them. You know, now it says this in verse 1. Now, the Philistines gathered together their armies to battle and were gathered together on Shusha, which belonged to Judah, pitched between Shusha and uh, uh, Ashgoth, And uh, Esadim, and the Philistines, verse 16, talking about the the giant, Goliath. The Philistine drew near every morning and every evening and presented himself for 40 days. Now, kind of get the picture. There's one hill over here, another hill over here. Every day for 40 days, that Philistine giant got up there and cursed the God of Israel cursed the army of Israel, cursed the people of Israel, and for 40 days, no one on this hill for Israel, these seasoned fighters, were willing to go up against this giant until someone with a cause showed up. I'm afraid that many people within our churches today does not have a cause. Because I think if we had a cause, we'd be willing to stand up as David did here. We're all aware of that Philistine army had gathered together against the battle of uh, Israel. But we need to understand this. This was not just some ordinary place, okay, that, that is, was of, of uh, little significance, okay? They were gathered together, and I understand this, they were gathered together some 16 miles from Jerusalem. Now, what, what I want to point that out for is because they were right in the backyard of the people of God. They were right in their backyard. You see, the enemy had invaded the homeland. They were at the heart of the land of God that he had promised to his people. They were right there right in the land where God had promised His people. They had come with one thing in mind, and that one thing was to defeat the army of Israel. And every day for 40 days, this giant Goliath taunted and belittled them, cursing God, Jehovah, and all the people of God. Church, the enemy is all around us. Listen, the enemy has invaded the homeland, and, and they're, at the, they're at the heart of the, of the land today. Look, they have invaded our homeland from the local school boards to the White House. They're pushing agendas that are mocking God and His written Word. They're taunting the people of God. And for the most part, the majority of the people of God are not willing to take a stand and and, and confront the enemy where we're comfortable within our four walls. Let's just let things go. Look, do we not realize that we're caught up in a battle and to understand that battle's not ours. That battle belongs to the Lord. That's what David understood. This battle is not against us and Goliath. This battle belongs to the Lord. Is there not a cause worthy for people of God to stand up and fight for? You know, too many of God's people want to sit back and they want to say, well, you know, Pastor... We need to stop and we need to think here because we need to handle this in a Christ-like manner. That's the real spiritual people. That's the way their thinking is. We've we got to handle this in a Christ-like manner. We must remain meek and mild as Jesus was. Can I suggest to you this morning that my Jesus was meek and mild until there was a cause. And once there was a cause, he turned over tables. My Jesus was meek and mild until there was a cause. And once there was a cause, he got right in the face of the Philistines and called them hypocrites. Yes, we can be meek and mild, but we can also take a stand when there's a cause, folks. Paul warned us and he encouraged us. He said this, put on the whole armor of God so that you're going to be able to withstand the, 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 the tactics of the devil, your enemy." For our struggle, he said, is not against flesh and blood, but it's against principalities. Now, when I say we have an enemy that we're facing today, this is exactly what it is, folks. It's a spiritual battle we're in. Yes, it's individuals. Satan's using these individuals. But it's a spiritual battle. And Paul said, our struggle's not with flesh and blood, but it's against principalities with the powers and the rulers of this present darkness, with the evil spirits in the heavens, he says. Therefore, Because this is a spiritual battle, put on the whole armor of God that you're going to be able to resist on the evil day and having done everything, everything, everything to hold your ground. Now, do you know what he means by everything? Folks, whenever there's a cause, do everything you can to stand against it. I'm afraid the church of Jesus Christ as a whole is not doing that. You may not realize, but the homeland has been invaded. Our homeland has been invaded. We're dealing with an unseen adversary in our own communities. The city of Lufkin is saturated with the influence of sin. Angelina County is saturated with the influence of of sin. Our schools are being influenced by the liberals, and our families are being uh, torn apart from all the pressures of life. And the enemy is even using this pandemic, to bring division within our churches. Now, what I mean by that, you know, the enemy is using this, and and there's a division now in some churches. Praise God, not this church. But there's a division between the mask and the unmasked. There's a division between the unvaccinated and the vaccinated. I know of a church right here in Lufkin, okay, who they have asked those who wear masks to sit on this side. And those who don't wear masks to sit on this side. And do not intermingle. What is that? That's dividing the church. Dividing the church. I know of another church that is not here in Lufkin, but they've asked the unvaccinated to sit up in the balcony. And only the vaccinated down low. What, what, what's happening here, folks? This unseen enemy is using this pandemic to divide the people of God. Because he knows if he can divide the people of God, he can affect the message of God. And folks, we have to wise up. Is there not a cause? Look, this giant we're facing wants nothing more than to defeat and destroy every church and home within our nation. I will assure you, he would love to shut down every church and do what he can to dilute the truth and the message of the cross. Children of God, is there not a cause? Now, let's look at the response of the people. Verse 11 and verse 24. And when Saul and all of Israel heard the words of the Philistines, (laughs) now this is, you understand, this is talking about the seasoned Fighters. This is talking about the army of Israel, okay, warriors. And when Saul and all of Israel heard these words of the Philistines, they were dismayed and they were greatly afraid. Now look down at verse 24. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, talking about the giant, they fled from him. Now, can you imagine these seasoned warriors just seeing that giant listening to his taunting and tucking tail and run? They fled from him, and it says they were sore afraid. Now, sore afraid means they were probably shaking in their boots. Look, notice how the seasoned army of Israel responded. They were dismayed. They were greatly fearful. And they fled from the presence of the giant. You know why? Because for them there was no cause. There was no cause. They could care less that the giant was cursing their God. They could care less that the giant was cursing themselves. They could care less that the enemy wanted to come in and take what God had done gave them. Folks, God has given us a lot as Christians in the United States of America. And the enemy is wanting to come in and take it. Is there not a cost? Look, this was not some ragtime group of men. This was Israel's finest, led by King Saul. And yet they were overcome with fear, every one of them. God had given them the land. God had defeated their enemies. Yet no one... No one had the courage to stand with the Lord. None of the men of mighty valor had the courage to stand. You know, I believe that most believers today, including and especially pastors, are overcome with fear as well. Well, we got to watch what we say because they may take away our, you know, tax exempt hogwash. They can't take it away we got to watch how we handle this, you know, because we don't want to offend some of the people within our church. Folks, anyone who's offended by trying to uh, battle the enemy who's wanting to take our rights, they've got a spiritual problem. And they need to deal with it. I'm afraid we have too many pastors in too many churches who who, who, who do not see what's happening in our nation today as a cause as a cause, as did David. Most have no desire to stand for the things of God. They have no desire to fight the good fight and finish the course. Many find it easier simply to stick their heads in the sand so as not to cause trouble and just simply allow evil to overtake that all those that have fought so hard for us to have in this nation. I think I put this in your notes. Our forefathers understood that which we ignore today will probably be accepted tomorrow. You ignore sin today, folks, it's going to be accepted tomorrow. And church, the evil, just to show you this, the evil that we ignored in the 60s and the 70s has been accepted as the normal today. Why some of the sin that... boy You know, years ago we looked at it and said, There ain't no way everybody, you know, people would uh, buy into that or be involved in that. It's the norm today. And many see no need to question it. Look, the church needs men and women of God to stand and boldly say, This is not going to happen on my watch. And pastors need to lead out in this. Who led out in the revolution? It was the pastors. If you don't believe that, go Google the Black Road Regiment and see how the pastors are the one that took a stand. And it was because of the pastors taking a stand that others were willing to follow. Listen, pastors, your people aren't going to follow if you don't lead. If you're a coward, just like the people of Israel was, your people are going to be a coward. If you don't see a cause, your people are not going to see a cause. How sad that only a little shepherd boy who wasn't even supposed to be there. He just brought provisions we're going to see up there uh, for the brothers. And when he got there, he looked around and he said, what the heck is happening here? Do do, do y'all not see that guy over there cursing us? Do y'all not see that guy over there cursing our God? Is there not a cause to stand up and fight? Look, I'd rather have people mad and upset with me than to compromise the truth of my God and cause my children and my grandchildren to suffer as a result of the consequences. And that's what's happening. That's what's happening. We have been silent far too long. It's time to firmly take a stand for the Lord. And the enemy has brought the battle to our homeland, folks. And we must not uh, be on the offense. I mean, we must now be on the offense And regain the ground that we've lost. Is there not a cause? Now, let's look at the responsibility here of David in verse 17 and 18. Again, David was out watching the sheep, okay? That was his job, a little shepherd boy. He was out watching the sheep. That was his responsibility. However, we see Jesse coming to David, his son. And he told him this, Now take for thy brethren the epith uh, uh, of this uh, uh, parched corn and these ten loaves and run to the camp of thy brethren. Now, again, at this time, David had no idea what was happening because he was watching the sheep. He was caring for his responsibility. And Jesse comes and said, All right, son, take this stuff to your brothers. They're probably hungry by now. And carry these ten cheeses unto the captain of their thousand and, and look at how thy brethren fare and take. Their pledge. So David's responsibility, his initial responsibility, to watch those sheep. But Jesse says, Why don't you take this stuff to your brother? They're probably hungry. Okay, they're probably hungry. What we see here is Jesse had sent David to take some provisions to the front line, check on the welfare of his brother, but when he got there, he saw what was happening and he was shocked. He was shocked at what he saw happening. No one willing to stand up against this giant that was cursing his God. No one was willing to stand up against this giant who was cursing his people, his brothers. And David was not satisfied by being a silent observer. Can I suggest to you we've got too many silent observers in our churches today? Seeing the injustice and the mocking of his God, he felt a responsibility to act because this injustice could not go unchecked. Church, there's injustice in our homeland. And we, as the people of God, cannot allow it to go unchecked. We just can't. David's responsibility was not to do battle; his responsibility was to care for the sheep and the needs of his brother. You see, in, in, in verse 28 it says, "And David rose up early in the morning, he left the sheep with a keeper, and he took and he went and done as Jesse had commanded him. Now in order to carry out the, the meeting of the needs of his brothers, David had to leave his sheep in, in the care of another in order to go to the front lines. Now understand this: there's a cause for the sheep of God's pasture. There's a cause for the sheep of God's pasture. Church, if we don't get into the fight, what is going to be left of our children and our grandchildren when this enemy gets through with them? Do you not understand our enemy is as a roaring lion going about seeking whom he may devour? Look, they're small. Our children are small and they're helpless and, and they're depending upon us to stand in the gap for them. You know, I, I know that they're going to have to face adversity and make own decisions in their life, but folks, I want to protect my children, I want to protect my grandchildren for, all, you know, for, for as long as I can. Look, consider the changes in our society over the last, let's just say, ten years. Consider the changes. And if we're not willing to get in the battle and do what we, we need to do, what do you think our nation is going to look like in another ten years? As I said earlier, my children, my grandchildren, don't even know the Christian church that I grew up in. I want to tell you, the Christian church today is nothing like what I grew up in. Would you say amen to that, Brother Danny? The nation, the Christian nation I grew up in, my children have no earthly idea what it looked like. What do you think it's going to look like in the next ten years? I want to tell you, we're not going to even recognize it. We're not going to recognize the church. We're not going to recognize the nation. If we do not see the cause and be willing to get in the battle, who's going to stand for the children of God? Listen, the adversary wants to destroy them. He wants to uh, prevent them from hearing the truth of God's word. And at this time, he's doing a pretty good job of it. The next thing there, the future of Christianity and the future of our churches depend on the stand that we take today. In every generation, there's a lack of men and women who are committed above all else to the glory of God. Will you stand like David for the injustice or are you going to melt away just like the crowd did on the hillside that day? Only you know the answer to that. Now... Let's look at the response here of David as he got there. No doubt there were others on the battlefield that day who knew needed something <laughs> needed to be done. I will assure you, some of those seasoned soldiers that was on the hill that day, they were probably looking at one another and saying, something's got to be done about this. Well, yeah, why don't you do it? No, 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 no. You know, why don't you do it? Why don't you do it? Everyone, I believe, knew something needed to be done. I believe the majority of the people in our churches today know something needs to be done. But no one is willing to stand and be the one. Isn't it a whole lot easier to point and say, William, you do it? Isn't it a whole lot easier to just say, well, well, I know something's got to be done and maybe somebody will come forth. You know, the only person that's going to come forth is the one that sees the need for a call. That's the only one. That's what happened on the hillside that day. David, seeing no one else was going to stand up to this ungodly enemy, decided to do something about the needs that his people faced. So he got involved. Why did he get involved? Because David had a burden. David had a burden. David didn't have a half hearted attitude about the situation. Rather, he rose early in the morning to face the difficulty, he knew there would be a task to be fulfilled. And he knew that he was the one that God desired to stand in that gap. Look, many would say they're concerned about the day in which we live, but their actions don't show it. Their actions don't show much concern in their life. You know, we, we've grown complacent in our own little world. You know, how long it been since you've really had a real burden? How long? You know, we come and we sit on our padded chairs with our central air and our central heat, while all uh, all all along we're unaware of the battlefield outside these four walls. We're content within these four walls, and because of that contentment, we're not really willing to see what's on the hillside out on that battlefield. Look, we're more concerned about getting to the restaurant for lunch before the lines get long. We're more concerned about, you know, getting out of here by noon. Maybe I'll get y'all out. Yeah, we should get out by noon so you can watch the football game. We're more concerned about these sort of things than we are about the lost soul who desperately needs to hear the truth of God's Word and not a watered-down version. Are you concerned? Is there not a cause in your heart, in your life, oh, that God would burden our hearts, folks, for the needs of today? Now, David was also committed. Verse 20 and 22. He was committed. And he came to the trench as the host was going forth to fight and and shouted for the battle. And David left his carriage in his hand Uh, uh, to the keeper of the carriage and he ran into the army and he saluted his brother. Now, with him running, he was excited. He was ready to go. David didn't hunt a shade tree to sit under and become a conscientious objector, okay? He came right to the trenches. He ran into the army. Folks, there was a work to do and he wanted to do his part. Look, David wasn't looking for a way out like everybody else was. David was looking for a way in. Church, we need people looking for a way in the battle, not a way to escape the battle. Look, commitment isn't shown by idle talk, rather a willingness to roll up our sleeves and get involved. That's what commitment's all about. Look, commitment is hard to come by these days. I mean, let's just face it. Commitment from the people of God in any area just about is difficult to come by. In fact, our, our nominating committee, you know, has difficult filling positions because people don't really want to be committed. You know, many will say, well, I'll pray about it. Y'all already know what I think about people who say, I'll pray about it. Y'all already take that as a no. Huh. Yeah, just Just come right out and say no. You know, but people don't really want to get involved, folks. Look, are you committed to making a difference for the cause of Christ? Where would we be if Jesus wasn't fully committed to the task that God sent him to this earth for? Where would we be? Now, we see in verses 26 and 37, David was confident. There was not a doubt in his mind as he looked at that giant on that hill, nine foot tall, a little over. david They, they say David was an early teenager at this time. And as he looked at that giant over there, he was totally confident that he could take that giant. He was totally confident. Look what it says here. And David spoke to the men that stood by him, saying, What shall be done to the man that kills this Philistine and taketh away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of God? Young teenager, looking at that nine-foot foot six giant or so calling him an uncircumcised philistine now look on down verse 37 david said moreover the lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear he will deliver me out of the hand of this philistine and saul said unto david go and the lord be with you folks listen The odds were certainly against David. It was easy to see that he couldn't defeat uh, Goliath. David knew nothing about battle. Remember, he wasn't a soldier. He was a shepherd boy. Uh, You know, he he didn't know nothing about battle. And when there's a cause, we understand the battle's not mine. The battle belongs to the Lord. And that's what David understood. Because there was a cause, he understood that this isn't going to be my battle. This is going to be God's battle. And church, we have to learn that. Look, we're, we're living in dark days, but I'm serving one who has never lost a battle. And church, he's in control today. We just need to trust him. How big is the God you serve? You know, my Bible answers that question by simply saying this, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. That's how big my God is. That's why I'm not afraid to take a stand. That's why I'm not afraid to face a giant. I don't care how big it is. Now, maybe something has to do with it because I'm a hard-headed Dago, too. You know, Italians were pretty hard-headed at times. But I think the reason is because I trust my God. That if I'm fighting injustice, he's going to be there with me. Look, I have no doubt there's a cause. And and it's greater now than I've ever seen it, folks. Countless number of people, you know, are, are in need of the Lord today. Our fellow Christians need us to take a stand for them and with them. You know, you might argue, well, I can't do much, Pastor. And that may be true. Maybe you can't do much. But David was just a youth, and God used him. And the Bible tells us that little is much when, what? God is in it. So even if you do it a little bit, that's a lot. If God is in what you're doing, look, you bet. Listen, you? But will you what will you do for a cause? Now, 2022 election is coming up this year. In fact, March the first, just real shortly, you know, is the first primary. And the easiest way for some to get in the battle, church is in the voting booth. That's part of the battle. Look, we've got to stop stop putting people in office who are enemies of God. Church, we have to stop that. We've got to stop putting people in office who are enemies of God. Now, how do you recognize an enemy of God? If the things they stand for are contrary to the word of God, folks, they're an enemy of God. I don't care what they say. If they want to take away our right to worship, they're an enemy of God. And if they want to silence prayer and the Word of God, they're an enemy of God. It's easy to recognize an enemy of God. Look, a child of, business, uh, I mean, a child of God has no business voting for an enemy of God, yet in the 2020 election, that's exactly what happened. Many people of God voted for enemies of God, and look what the results have been. We have a government that is hell-bent on removing anything and everything that has to do with Christianity. We have a government that is hell-bent on removing our right to worship, and they're doing all they can to remove truth from the hearts and the minds of our children. I ask you, is there not a cause? Now, I understand I'm wired a little different than most folks, and some of you to amen that, but that's, I am. We're all wired a little bit different. Look, but I'm one who's willing to die on the battlefield for a cause I believe in. But I understand everyone's not wired like me, and praise God. Look, if you're not one who feels that you're wired to be on the front line fighting then do your battling from the voting booth, like I said. That's just as important. You know, we've got to stop electing these liberal progressives who are taunting and seeking to destroy our Christian rights and our American way of life. They're standing on that hill, these liberal progressives doing all they can to do away. They're taunting us, trying to destroy our American way of Christianity. Now, look, March the 1st begins the primaries, as I said. So do your homework and make sure those you vote for are godly people with Christian values. And just because they wear a little heart, I mean a cross around their neck, don't mean they're a Christian. Okay? Just because they tell you I'm a Christian doesn't mean they're a Christian. Look at their fruit. Look at their fruit. Then on May the 24th, is the runoff election. Did I put these dates in your notes? I think I did. I meant to, because I want you to understand this. You know, May the 24th is a runoff election for those, you know, primaries along with a school board election. Look, we have the most liberal school board that Lufkin has seen, ever seen. We do. I know because I've been battling them, okay? We have two liberals. Two of those liberals will be on the ballot, you know, in, in, in March, I mean, in May you know, up for re-election. I mean, I'm just going to tell you right off the bat, I ain't voting for him. I've been fighting them, so I can't vote for him now. Folks, we can't allow the liberals to take control of our schools, and that's what's happening all over. All over. That's why you see some schools bringing in this critical race theory. And I've done warned our president of our school board if they try to go that far, they had not seen nothing yet from me. And if you don't know what critical race is, look it up. I think it'll make you mad. But I've done informed our board, they better not try to go there. Okay? Look here. The 24th is the election for, for the runoff and the school board. Then November the 8th is the general election. So if you're not one who wants to get out on that front line and run toward that giant Get in the voting booth. And let's get these liberal progressives that's trying to take away our freedoms and our rights as Christians. Look, do your fighting against this giant, you know, that's, that's doing all they can to destroy the godly way of life. Is there not a cause? Is there not a cause? Will you stand like David for injustice, the injustice around us, or are you going to kind of melt away into the crowd like the army of Israel did? That day. Search your heart. But church, we have to see there's a greater cause today than there's ever been in our nation. And we have to ask ourselves, what am I going to do about it? What am I going to do about it? You're either going to be on the front line or you need to be either be on the front line or, listen, if you're not one that's wired like that, then you get in that voting and do your homework Let's stop electing these progressives that want to take away all our rights. We have to stop it. We have to stop it. Let's pray.